This is Barbara Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Beba Sanchez Padilla and Yajaira Carreras. Welcome to Generation Justice. Hi there. Hi, thank you for having us. Would you please tell us more about yourself? My name is Beba Sanchez Padilla. I always have to preface my my work with letting the whole world know how old I am because I'm always around people who are a third or a fourth my age. Um, first of all, I was in a studio like this, or actually these studios, in, oh, I want to say 1970, so I'm glad to know it's grown. Um, I am from New Mexico. I'm very proud to be from New Mexico. Sanchez is my father's name, and Padilla is my mother's name. My mama came from um, the Pajarito area of the South Valley, and then they moved to Barelas, and uh, my mom and dad actually lived across the street from one another. Uh, so I very much am proud um, to be a New Mexican. And, well, I've been in New Mexico for about seven years, seven, eight years. Um, I started middle school here. I graduated high school here. I'm in my second year of college um, as a social work major. Uh, I've been working with Beva for almost two years now, and I've been enjoying every second of it. I really gained a lot of wisdom from her and learned so many things and stepped into an amazing environment at SWAP. Uh, yeah, I've been doing social work, I mean, social justice work for about, since I was 14. And out of all the orgs I've worked with, I think SWAP has been my favorite. Would you tell us the story of how you became involved in social justice work? When I was, first of all, I'm 71 years old. I'll be 71 next month. I have to say that because I can't believe it. <laughs> when I was about five, and I remember very clearly, we lived uh, in South Broadway. Uh, my father was a printer, and we were in a union. And one day, my dad said, I want you to know why we pay union dues. And he pulled out a box of matches, all those old-fashioned wooden matches. And he pulled one match out, and he broke it. And then he pulled two out, and he broke them. And then he pulled three out. After a while, he had about five or six matches. And he said, see, I can't break this many matches and that's why we pay to be in a union because when you're unified you can get what it is that you need for your work and for your family. It was at a very very young age that I learned. Uh, there were other things that happened. I went to St. Francis School. I remember being in first grade and we had a spelling bee and to be in the spelling bee you had to have a bunch of pennies and I remember I was six and I re remember realizing that if you didn't have enough pennies that you couldn't be in the spelling bee. And I instinctively, there, there was something inside of me that didn't feel right. So I'd like to say that my sense of social justice work came from that. And then, you know, really taking to heart what the heart of Catholicism is, communion, to be in común con gente, to be together. So that came, my desire for social justice came at a very early age. And well, I kind of agree with that too. I grew up in Arizona and Phoenix to be um, more specific and I and had encountered a lot of racism because of my language um, and I was not being treated right but I didn't know what the word was. I didn't know how to describe it until I moved to New Mexico when I met other people like myself and that were like 
encouraged by their language and their culture that I had been like so ashamed of for so many years. And so, and then I started at a social justice high school, South Valley Academy, which really pushed me towards finding uh, these communities. It gives me an opportunity to understand what those things were happening to me and put words to them, put racism to them, sexism, put these like terms that I didn't know what they meant. I didn't know what they were, but I was experiencing them. And so they pushed me into the community to go and work with different um, nonprofits and go work with students and got me involved into um, after school programs with Planned Parenthood that helped me teach other peers uh, about sexual reproduction and healthy relationships. Yeah, I just, I I credit a lot to my high school and the opportunities that they gave me because without them, I probably wouldn't be working in the area that I am right now. They introduced me to all of that and they brought that to shine to me and like I knew I had a passion for helping the community. I just didn't have that way or that realm to produce it and they gave me the tools to be able to help myself to help the community. Um, both, Both stories are so powerful. Beba. Tell us about your role in bringing Chicano studies to UNM. I'd like to take total credit for that, but uh, (laughs) there were many people involved at the time. I think it's, first of all, very important to uh, say that uh, the high school that I went to, Highland High School, eons ago, uh, and I worked every day after school. I never learned about college, never heard about college. Luckily, I fell in love and uh, with a man that I married, um, and he was coming to college, and one day he came to me and said, we can't go out Saturday night uh, because I have to study, and I said, I don't believe you. I had just graduated from high school, and it was the summer, it was the fall that was starting up, and he said, no, come with me, and we went into um, Zimmerman Library, and I saw all these people on a Saturday night studying and I thought what the heck are they doing are they here because they want to be here and then we went to a movie in the student union building and it was the first Italian film I had ever seen and I came out of there and I said I want to come to school here needless to say it was difficult because when I went to get my transcript and I took it to the administration they said you'd never took one college prep class I'm like (laughs) <laughs> no one told me. So then I was told that, yes, um, I could go to school there if I took a, uh, a correspondence class. Uh, so I got to come to school. So I'm really very, very proud of how I came to college. It was because I fell in love and because I realized I liked learning. When I was a freshman, I guess I was walking out of the English class. I also felt very alienated here. I felt very lonely, but I was walking out of an English class and this must have been in 1967-68, and someone walking out with me, another Chicano, of course I didn't know I was a Chicana at the time, and he had a big button that said, don't eat grapes. And I had the nerve to ask him. I was nervous. I said, what does that mean? He said, let me show you. So we went over to a place that was the Chicano Center, And I started learning more and more about my own culture, that I had not been taught that. Then I got to spend a summer in New York City, and that's another story. And I got to meet the women who originally wrote the book, um, Our Bodies Ourselves. And I learned about feminism. And the drive back, I started thinking, oh, my God, if Chicanos are oppressed and women are oppressed, then Chicanas must even be more challenged 
worked to be diplomatic. I wrote a, a schedule, uh, an outline of what I think I thought should be taught, and I went to the Chicano student group, and I told them we got to teach a class called La Mujer Chicana, and then they immediately said, and those folks still are around, some of them have died, and said, no, that's a white woman's issue. That has nothing to do with our culture. And so through that, I was able to organize with some other women a class. I was able to teach the class the first year it was taught, and it's still being taught. Of course, it was a redundant title at the time, La Mujer Chicana. So that's kind of the beginning of Chicano studies. And now I can't believe it's taken this long. Thanks thanks to Dr. Irene Vasquez, it's now a program and many other people. And it's really wonderful to yeah. see. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what are you the most proud of about yourself? This one's for you, too. <laughs> okay. um, I think for me, the thing I'm most proud of myself is finding myself, uh, finding people who enjoy, have the same heart as me and have the same passion for helping the community as I do. Um, I know I like, like I said at the beginning, like I kind of, repress myself in a way, um, repress my culture for a really long time. And so being around those people that were encouraging me to speak my language, encouraging me to um, talk about my culture, talk about where I came from, um, and like embracing it is something I'm really proud of because like I was able to, I had lost a lot of my Spanish. I was able to relearn how to read, write, and speak it completely fluently again because my mom was really not understanding me whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah, just finding myself and being able to turn that into a learning experience and not and teaching others about themselves too, you know what I mean? Teaching youth because I was a peer educator for all of high school, so teaching other youth to, like, be okay with themselves and be okay with who they are and who they were born to be because we didn't choose to who we were born to be, but we were born to be for a certain reason. You know, we all have a purpose for it. So, like, finding myself and finding my purpose to help the community is what I'm most proud of. That's a hard question because, as you know, in our culture, we're not supposed to be proud of anything about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is a, a difficult question. I think I'm... <clears throat> most proud that I was able to raise my two daughters to be independent and interdependent. They're both um, professionals. And when I say professionals, one's a professor and one is an architect, and they've worked very hard at that. And I think probably being able to decipher the power that my mother had. My mother had enormous power. And um, and she taught me a lot about being a feminist. She had four other sisters and three brothers, and I saw growing up uh, how they defended one another. They took care of one another l l without even thinking. Um, I get emotional when I think about it, but I'm glad. <coughs> excuse me, that she was able to give me that strength as a woman, and I was able to pass that to my daughters. That's so, I, I can't find the, way, the word in English, but me inspira, mm -hmm. the way you talk about your mother, the way you talk about women. 
It, it's totally fine. Jahaira, <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the lessons about organizing that you have learned so far? Honestly, I think one of my biggest lessons that I've learned has been from Beva is like caring for people regardless if they care for you kind of like um, no matter what happens she always cares for everybody and so I think that's one of the biggest things I've realized like organizing is good and helping the people is in the community is good but like doing it with a caring heart because there's so many there's places where you could be doing really good things but if you don't have that love there it's just not it's not a good environment it's not a good way to for you to grow, you know, so I think that caring, that love, that's that's why I love Swap so much because I feel like we're all a family. So I think that's what I, one of my biggest lessons that I've learned, especially now, like, at this age, now in high, in college. I think love because that's missing a lot in our communities is, like, love for each other and love for ourselves. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned, especially from Beva because she's, she's so caring. She's like my mom, so, like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Beba, what is something that you have learned from Yahaira? I have learned an amazing amount from Yahaira. Um, Yahaira also recently just won a national award of the Sergeant Shriver Young Leader Leadership Award, where 16 people were awarded, and she just got back from getting that. She is an amazing person. I sometimes wonder if she is really 18. I've learned a lot from her. The youth are the solution. And that does not mean we do away with the older people, but I know as an elder, I sometimes want to ask some elders to be quiet because uh, if I hear an elder, and it's usually a male, well, back in the day, this is how we did it, when in fact the younger people, the younger leaders are taking that information in that situation and synthesizing it with new information. And that's what's creating the change that we're working towards. It's a together thing. What I have learned from Yahida mostly, well, she's amazingly skilled at everything <laughs> she does, um, is her ability to listen and um, really transform that information into action. Is there a piece of wisdom that you would like or young people in New Mexico to hear? I think that once you recognize, whether no matter wh what age you are, once you recognize that the playing field that we live on is, is uneven, that at that moment, at that juncture, that you see there was inequity and injustice, that the road you take is very important. If it's fueled with anger, And it will, you will have a lot of anger, but if it's fueled with anger, you're not going to get very far. And that's very, very difficult. But once you recognize that there's injustice, you can't really let that go. That, in fact, you proceed with a sense of calm in all your work and to know that your, your work will never be totally done. You have to work on some level uh, at making that playing field a little more... Um, even. And again, I think again, even though I'm angry every day, every morning, I say the same Reiki prayer for today, I will not be angry for today, I will not worry. And then, you know, in five minutes, I'm angry at somebody. But um, to do good work, it means working with lots of people. So really, yes, in our society, in our Western European society, it's all about always about me and I and mine. 
when in fact it really isn't. We are, it's, we are so much stronger when we see we are part of a whole that when you get messed over, it's hurting me. So to be able to, I think, see yourself as part of a community is probably one of the things that will help you continue your work. Mm-hmm. I think also that um, this not just our fight, you know, we're continuing the fight that our ancestors had and we're not the last ones either. You know, there's plenty of fights coming ahead of us and we're just an in-between trying to help the process move along. I think that's a really big thing that I've um, learned because I've been reading a lot of history and stuff, um, especially like the Chicano movement and stuff through SWAP. There's so much work that has been done and there's so much work to come. And I'm just a step of that work, you know, and that's what I like to see. I'm just a part of that whole solution that's going to come in the outcome. Well, muchas gracias por venir. Fue muy interesante hablar con ustedes dos, ver la manera en la que una persona mayor puede relacionarse con una persona joven, ver la conexión. Yo creo que es muy importante que nos mantengamos unidos porque nos enseñamos los unos a los otros. Las personas mayores enseñan a los jóvenes y los jóvenes también enseñan a los, a los adultos, a las personas mayores. Así que muchas gracias por estar aquí. Fue muy interesante hablar con las dos y que compartieran ese conocimiento, esa sabiduría que han adquirido y muchas gracias. Gracias por tenerlo. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. This was Barbara Ramirez with Generation Justice.